welcome to Next Women Generation. Today we have a wonderful young woman from the Philippines with us, Ariza Nukum. Ariza is the founder of um, Chris organizations um, in the Philippines. So to start, can you share me one word that describes you the most? Uh, the word that describes me the most, I think, has to do with empathy. So I'm a person who really tries her best to be open and to try to understand other people's intentions, their beliefs, and their convictions, even though I don't agree with them. And empathy is one of the virtues that I really try to live by and is one of the driving forces that inspire me in my advocacy work. Mm -hmm. um, you are a co-founder and president of Chris, um, a non-profit organization yeah. in the Philippines. Um, so can you share me how did you start um, Chris organization? Okay, so I started Chris with my parents actually. Um, the story here is that my mom is a Muslim and my dad is Catholic and they both come from a region in the Philippines that has been, that has seen conflict and war over many, many years and especially there's a tension often between Christian and Muslim groups. So that they got married and that they built a family where they respected both religions was very unique. Even though a lot of people didn't agree and didn't understand the kind of family that they were trying to build, I grew up seeing that it is possible to have coexistence with two religions and that it's possible to have peace in your own home. And if it's possible that we could have peace in our own home with these two religions present, then it's only a matter of time if we could only bring that peace outside of our home and bring that respect and understanding to other people so that they also may live in peace. Mm -hmm. So Chris, um, we started Chris in 2008. We started by building libraries where there in communities where you had both Muslims and Christians. And in these libraries, we wanted kids of different backgrounds to learn together and study together and read together and eventually form friendships that would be the bedrock of peace in those communities. And we also started a scholarship program because one of our findings was that a lot of young people who joined terrorist organizations and violent extremist groups actually did so because they had they felt they had no other choice. They didn't have access to education and employment. So they often ended up being very vulnerable to a violent extremist ideology and to opportunities like that. So we decided to give a scholarship so that young people who come from very vulnerable groups can have an education and find that there are better opportunities out there for them. And we also um, distributed books and school supplies and other educational materials to a lot of schools and public institutions located in conflict areas in the Philippines. And fast forward to today, Chris is now focused on conducting training programs for young peace builders. Uh, this year, we're launching a project uh, in partnership with Coffee Annan Foundation and supported by the European Commission that will also, um, aside from educating young peace builders, 
provide grants so that young peace builders can also start their own peace projects in their communities. And we also conduct both offline and online campaigns to promote peace and unity amid diversity. So our tagline is currently to educate, empower, and inspire young people towards peace. Mm-hmm. So what motivated you to run a Greek organization to join your parents in you know, 2008? Uh, so in the Philippines, we have a very um, difficult public education system wherein it's hard to get quality education if you don't have a lot of money. So to have a scholarship that would give you education without you having to pay is such a good opportunity that only a few students have. And I was able to get that scholarship when I was in high school. I attended a high school that was quite prestigious and only admitted a few hundred students. But at the same time, even though it was school, I didn't have to pay anything because I was a full scholar under the government. And this was a very interesting opportunity for me because while I was studying, I also felt guilty that even though I was having good education, a lot of other young people didn't have the education that I was having and didn't have the opportunities that I was having. So I was I started to believe that I needed to do something more. That as I was studying, as I was in school, I still needed to go beyond and to think of something, uh, think of a bigger way to help young people like me. And because I saw how peace and education was a big factor in how my parents lived their lives and in how important it could be to solve the problems in our society, I used that as the foundation for Chris. I wanted to build an organization that also empowered young leaders like me. And one of the ways we do that is by leading as an example. So whenever I talk to young people like myself, I always tell them that being young is no... um, It doesn't limit your capacity to lead or to succeed. No matter how young you are, you're always in a position to create significant change. I think that when I was very young, when I was starting Chris, one of the significant challenges I faced was not knowing what to do. I mean, I was in high school and then afterwards I was in university. I didn't get any training on um, building a nonprofit. I didn't know how to get volunteers. I didn't know how to get donations. I didn't know how to promote my work and my story so that other people could support me. But luckily, I learned that it's important to be scared, but also to do away with the fear and to do it anyway. So like as Nike says, just do it, right? I truly believe that um, our most important learnings come by doing. Not when we're in the classroom, not when we're just reading a book or not when we're just listening to a lesson. My whole life has been a testament to not really knowing much but learning along the way and finding out that sometimes your conviction and your dedication to learn is more important than how much you actually know at a given moment.
what motivates you to uh, overcome those challenges? I think what's important, especially in working in a nonprofit organization, is the people that you have around you. And to me, what helped me the most was being in contact with a lot of mentors who inspired me and who taught me the way. Um, being uh, working with volunteers who, even though they didn't get any compensation, were so selflessly um, sharing their time and resources for the organization. And also being in a community with other young leaders and seeing that they're doing so many good and great things and that this is constantly a source of inspiration for you because when you see them doing more and achieving more, it also pushes you to do the same. And in my situation, it was also quite empowering to see other young women lead in the same um, domain that I was in peace building and in youth-led leadership and education because I we often inundated with many role models and I think in the fields that I learned from many of them were male and not a lot were female so whenever I saw female leaders it was especially inspiring to me because I saw myself in them. Um, thank you. You are a, you know, you mentioned earlier that you are a daughter of a Catholic father and a Muslim mother. So how your family background shapes who you are and what you are doing? From, from the beginning, my parents told me that they wanted a home that respected both religions. So right now, honestly, um, I've grown to I've grown to be more Catholic. But I also learned a lot from my mom. I learned a lot about Islam. I learned a lot about her faith and how much actually peace is important to Islam. Even though when you look at the news, when you look at other what other people say, there's always a correlation they make between Islam and violence. And this childhood, this unique childhood, has led me to see that there are more similarities than differences between Islam and Christianity, and that in a, big, in a bigger sense, there are more similarities than differences across different religions. And in our world today, you know when you go to Facebook and you see so much hatred, people who support the government versus people who are against the government, people who um, discriminate others versus people who don't discriminate the same group. There's so much hatred and enmity and we see so much of it every day because we're exposed to it online. And what I've grown to understand is that even though you meet someone who has a different opinion or has a different belief or who disagrees with something that you really believe in, even though you meet someone like that, they're human too. They also have a family, they have people they love, they want to have a good life for themselves and their loved ones, they go to school, they're trying to learn something new, they have their hobbies, they have their talents. We have more in common than we have different between us. 
And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we dehumanize other people. Sometimes we defy the people who don't agree with us. But I've grown to learn through my family and through my work with Chris eventually that through empathy, it's important that we see what's common, we connect what is good with us to what is good with the other person so that we can build a bridge of peace where we're able to talk in a civil way despite our differences, where we're able to discuss and be open despite our differences, and where we're able to recognize the other person as a full human being despite our differences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as a young woman, have you experienced any set, uh, setback in your work? I've been very lucky that there hasn't been a lot of um, difficulty I faced as a woman in my peace building work, but I do recognize that as I worked through Chris, I've seen so many young women like myself not enjoying that same that same stability and freedom that I've had. I've met many women, many young women like myself, who um, didn't have an education and who had to stay with abusive husbands because they can't make the same, they, they don't have the same opportunity as their husband. I've met women who live in, uh, live with very, Um, misogynist families who really doubt the capacities of women to lead and to be educated and to have their own job and livelihood. I've met women who have come from physical and physically and sexually abusive um, environments who are finding it hard to go back to society because of the trauma they face. And I've also met women who work in other fields where they may be the only women and they experience harassment because of it. So even though we've made a lot of advancement in the realm of equality, gender equality, there's still a long way to go. And especially in marginalized and underprivileged groups, women are particularly vulnerable to harassment and to being robbed of many opportunities. And that's why we have to continue our work in different sectors to empower women in each of them. In my sector, for instance, we make sure that among the young people we train, there are always a significant number of women who are part of that conversation and who are on that table. Because that's only fair that we are able to represent all sectors, all genders, and all identities as we have this peace-building movement. Do you share um, the challenges that you experience um, in your work with your parents? At the beginning, yes. I, I did work very closely with my parents and they helped me along the way. But now I'm very lucky to have um, a team Uh, partner organizations, volunteers, and other sources of support uh, to help with our work in Chris. Because now my parents, who are slightly older, are (laughs) semi-retired, just want to rest. 
Um, so this is my last question. So do you have uh, what advice would you give to other young women? I think um, my advice would be two main points. So the first point is that always take the first step, even though you're scared, even though you're not really sure of what you're doing, even though there may be a lot of challenges. A lot of people, young people especially, and women included, will find it hard to um, start their own organization or go on a volunteer opportunity or take a leadership position because of so much self-doubt and so much, um, so much, because they feel that they lack in a lot of things. But the truth is that when I've met other people who are leaders, when I've met people who are excellent in their own fields and who have made a name for themselves in so many different fields, they always say that they started out with not really knowing anything and not really not really being who they are now. And basically, we, we all start with nothing. We all start at zero. So might as well take the first step. I think the risk of not accomplishing anything because you are scared to start something in the first place is greater than the risk of failing or of experiencing defeat when you are trying something. And that's something I actually faced. And under that um, first point, I also want to share that what taught me the most throughout my life so far are my failures. And even though I feel, every time I fail, I feel really bad and I feel really disappointed with myself. I've used each failure as a stepping stone to remind myself that this is how I made a mistake. This is what I won't do. This is what I'll keep doing if it works. And that this is just me on a journey, experiencing challenges, experiencing wins, experiencing losses. This is part of it, and this is okay. So to summarize that point, um, take the first step, even though you have doubts and fears. Along the way, you'll have wins, you'll have losses, you'll have failures, but that's okay. Take each step as a learning milestone and move forward. Okay, and my second point, and this is in terms more, more closely with my work with Chris and Peace Building, is that I hope that every young leader who embarks on advocacy and leadership journey will try to think of peace as a necessary component in everything that they do. When you're working in an advocacy for education, for poverty, for justice, for the environment, and for all the other sustainable development goals the United Nations has been actively promoting these past years, each of these goals has peace as a requirement. Without peace, we can't truly work together as communities, as nations, and even as a global um, movement to address our big problems. Without peace, we're not able to talk to each other, share ideas, um, work as a team, and create solutions 
towards these problems. Without peace, we can never include everyone in the discussion and we'll always have a progress that's either one-sided or lacking in its coverage of all of all people, of all um, minorities, ethnicities, religions, genders, etc. So peace is something that we have to include in all our discussions of advocacy and leadership. And we have to remember that, for instance, with this pandemic that we're facing globally with COVID-19, what we see is there is this problem that's so big that no country alone can solve it. It takes the resolve and collective action of all countries, of many countries, to solve this global pandemic. And this is the kind of scale of problems we'll be seeing for the next years. This pandemic and hopefully not, but maybe other diseases that we'll face in the next years. We have climate change, we have global poverty, global inequality. So all of these big problems are things that no country can do alone. And without peace, without empathy, without unity and diversity, without acknowledging the similarities between people of different nationalities, races, ethnicities, etc., we can't really truly work as a global collective. And we need to be. We need to have more unity than divisiveness if we ever hope to solve any of these big problems. So yeah, those are the two points I'd like to share. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much for your time joining me today and have a wonderful day. If you like this interview, please subscribe and leave us the reviews. Uh, let us know what you think about Nick Women Generation and stay tuned to our next speaker.